So for those of you <clears throat> who don't know us, my name is Swami Devi, and our uh, talk will be given by Swami Jyotish. We want to welcome you all, and especially those who have joined us for the weekend program and those who have been taking our meditation teacher training course. So we'll start by reading our topic from Race of the One Light. It's a very beautiful one passage from the Bible and Gita. This is called Abiding in God. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Yogananda often emphasized, more often to his disciples than to the general public, but also to everyone generally, for it was a universal teaching. The importance of attunement. For divine understanding cannot be created. It must be perceived. To the disciples, Yogananda spoke of the importance of attunement with the guru. To others, he urged the importance of at least of attuning oneself to higher consciousness. Can an eagle rise without support from the sustaining air? Jesus Christ said in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 15, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Therein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. How can we abide in him? Jesus says, if my words abide in you. By words, he meant not only his spoken words, but his vibrations, his consciousness, of which the words are only an expression. We must abide by the teachings, but we must also absorb those teachings into ourselves, that they become our own experience. For disciples of this path, the more in their hearts they live consciously in the presence of the masters, the more they will find the divine presence living within them. And for all truth seekers, whether disciples or not, the more they live sustained inwardly by the awareness of God's presence, the higher they will find themselves soaring in wisdom and joy. For the Bhagavad Gita says in the 10th chapter, I am the source of everything. From me, all creation emerges. Blessed with this realization, the wise, awe-stricken, adore me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om.
Good morning, everyone. A really interesting passage and a very, very central topic. Attunement with the Guru and a beautiful way that Christ put it. Remember, he was speaking at the time to primarily an agrarian society. And so many of his examples were things that they could relate to. And so there were a lot of images of fishes and loaves and trees and bearing fruit and here the vine being sustained, the branches being sustained and bearing fruit because of the sustenance. So what does it mean to abide in the Lord or abide in God or abide in the Word? As Swami was saying in the interpretation, it's primarily about attunement because on a physical level, we abide in God. Abide is to live in and related word is abode. So our abode is in God on a physical level anyway. You know, if God is everything, then he is the earth, he's the universe, he's the stars, he's the chair you're sitting on. He's you, he's everything. And so in that sense, once the vine produces the branches, every branch is a part of that vine. And the branch doesn't seem to need to do anything in order to be a branch or in order to be sustained by the vine. But here Christ is talking about a more subtle truth. He's saying that those who draw from the sustenance of that vine will flourish and those who don't will begin to wither and they'll be cut off and they'll be cast into a fire because they're basically useless. And he goes on to say that those who draw, who abide in him, they produce much fruit. And so it's a very, very interesting concept that if we draw from God consciously, if we draw the sustenance from him, then we are able to not only be sustained, but we're able to bear very much fruit. And he goes on to say that then whatever we ask of God is provided to us, is given unto us. So there's, it's like a three-step process. As we attune ourselves to God, or the guru in this case, because it's hard to attune ourselves to the vast, omnipresent reality. You know, there's no image there. There's no sustenance. We had a wonderful friend who is uh, now passed away, Hari Priya, for those of you who know her. And she was a deep devotee of Anandamoy Ma. And she, as Anandamoy Ma did, she loved to chant to Krishna. And she had a little Gopal that she worshiped as a living reality of Krishna. And there was real, real power in it. And we were having a discussion one time. And I, who am a little bit more uh, impersonal, one might say, I was basically saying, you know, I, I tune in to more 
deep qualities of God, truth and um, vibration and joy. And she said, well, you may like that, but I'm still going to worship my, my Gopal. Because that was the way she connected. And so for all of us, we need some form, generally speaking, because we are in form. We have a form, and therefore we need to resonate with something that seems a little bit like us. And so that's why God manifests himself as a guru. God could, if he chose, just speak to us out of the sky. But if he spoke to us out of the sky, how would we feel that we could emulate that? How would, could we feel that we could become like that, that we could speak out of the sky? It, it, it would, the distance would be too great. And so God manifests as a guru in order for us to be able to see the similarities between the guru and us, that the guru stands up straight. Well, maybe I should stand up straight. The guru is calm. Well, I should be calm. And so by having that example and attuning ourselves to the guru, then we draw the sustenance because the guru then is in this image that Christ used. The guru then is the vine. And the branches have to attune themselves or draw from the vine because otherwise they won't get the nutrients. They won't get the, the water. They won't get the, the whatever the microorganisms and nutrients from the soil. That comes from the root system. It comes from the vine. And so as we attune more consciously, then we draw everything that the guru has. And because the guru, a true guru, a sat guru, knows his unity with God, then by attuning to him, we can begin to know our unity with God. So that attunement, as Swami says in here, and he talks about it more often in the path and in other of his writings, that when Master was with the disciples, he didn't teach very much. He just told them to be in tune. With kind of the more general public, he would give lectures, he would give wonderful talks, he would be a charming personality, he would laugh with them, he would joke with them, he would eat with them. He would basically relate to them on their level. But he wasn't that behavior pattern. He was more attuned to silence, to inner vibration, to inner attunement with God. And when he was with the disciples, he wouldn't talk very much. And often he wouldn't talk at all, and he would tell them not to talk at all. One time, uh, I believe it was Durgamata, I'm not sure. At any rate, they were taking, Master used to occasionally go to there's a place near Palm Springs called Palm Canyon that is a beautiful ancient canyon with a stream running through it and a, a long kind of following that stream, a long beautiful grove of palm trees. It's on an Indian reservation. 
And Master used to go there and take little seclusions in nature. But when he did, whoever was with him, he would tell them not to speak. In fact, the beautiful chant, Come Out of the Silent Sky, was written at that place. And so in that silence, he was saying, God begins to speak to us. And so in order to attune ourselves to the guru, we can't do it if our minds are restless, if our tongue is always wagging and talking, if we're too outward, if we're too busy. We need to be quiet because, oh, he's saying get closer to the microphone. Okay. So if, if we want to attune to him, we have to do so in silence because primarily master comes to us or God comes to us through silence. The farther into restlessness, into outwardness we get, God is still there because God is everywhere, but he becomes more obscure. And that's why so many of Master's beautiful poems or prayers say, let me see behind your beautiful appearance as the flower or as the rainbow, or let me see behind the outward form. Let me connect with you. So what we need to do in order to abide in Master is to link our consciousness to him and to draw that sustenance of consciousness that he has and that we have yet to develop as strongly as possible. Now, does this mean that we need to consciously visualize Master at all the time, that we can't concentrate on our work? We often get this question in audiences in India. How can I keep thinking of God when I'm busy and I have uh, a job and I have to pay attention to my job? Well, you can't constantly have your mind split, but you can have in the back of your mind the sense that you live in the conscious master. It's interesting, the, the word uh, relationship between abide and abode. Abide is to live in, and abode is where you live. And so think during the day of Master as being like your abode. Just because you're at work, you don't forget where your home is. And whenever you think of home, your mind immediately returns to your home. And so if we have our abode being in God, then we abide in God. And so part of it is to have that awareness in the back of our mind. But mostly, mostly, what it really takes is that we have to make the choice, our heart needs to make the choice to draw the sustenance and to be in attune, uh, attunement with Master, the Guru. And when I say Master, if you have a different Master from Yoganandaji, then that's that's your channel. Whatever vine you're a branch of, you draw the sustenance from that vine. But realize that you do need to draw that sustenance. And so in the back of our minds, we should keep 
our consciousness attuned to master. And we should also, the vine also tries to reproduce the plant. What does it mean to bear much fruit? Why does a vine bear fruit? A grape, let's say, because that's the typical vine, a grape has the seeds of the vine itself. And so the branch is trying to produce the fruit that reproduces the vine that it's drawing sustenance from. And so we, as disciples of Master, the fruit that we're trying to produce is to reproduce and share with others the consciousness of Master to the best of our ability. And so by tuning into that consciousness, we begin to draw more and more strongly the sustenance. One way that the image breaks down with what Jesus used is one th doesn't think of the branch as being able to consciously draw more of the sap than another branch. But in the realm of consciousness, that connection by consciously opening ourselves, open your heart to me and I will enter and take charge of your life. Open our hearts, our, our vibrational, emotional um, desires to master and he will enter because of that invitation. One time I read that Ananda Moy Ma was answering the question of why should we pray? You know, doesn't God know our thoughts? Doesn't, isn't God omnipresent? Why should we then pray? And she said that when someone prays to me, it's as if a spotlight is shined from that person. And so that opening of our heart makes a vibrational connection that draws the response. And so unlike the apparently, of course, nothing is not conscious. Everything is conscious. But the branch does not seem to have as developed a consciousness. And so unlike the branch that can't uh, consciously draw more sustenance, we can. Master said, in fact, that if we are taking a sun bath and consciously draw from the sun, we will receive ten times as much of the prana from the sun as if we are just there passive. And so think of that as abiding. When we consciously draw from the guru, we'll draw ten times or a hundred times or a thousand times as much as the person who is not consciously drawing from the guru, or even worse, who is consciously avoiding the guru. By that, I mean, you know, you could be walking down, let me use the illustration, walking down a pathway, you and an atheist sitting, a, a dyed in the wool, I guess, I don't know if that's proper term for an atheist, but an atheist who was going around actively preaching, actively trying to dissuade people from believing in God. You could be walking down 
the path with that person. And the sun is going to shine on him just as much as it's going to shine on you. The rain falleth on the just and the unjust is the way that it's put in the Bible. So God sustains, but those who draw consciously are sustained in a greater abundance. And eventually, those who don't draw wither up and are cut off and, and burned in a pile. Now, so it's very, very important that we open ourselves and draw consciously as much as we can. But there's also a method of how to do this, and it's, it's actually quite simple. But I wanted to read the reason I usually we read the whispers from eternity at the beginning. These are prayer demands or the ways of consciously attuning with God, one could say, abiding in God. These are the, you know, if, if Christ said, abide in my words, these are the words of Christ that we should abide in. So I, I saved this because I want to read the first three of Master's prayer demands in here, and they're a complete teaching in and of themselves of how we can abide in God. Well, a semi-complete teaching because the last I'll add on to it. So the first is the cosmic salutation. O Spirit, I bow to thee in front of me, behind me, on the left and the right. I bow to thee above and beneath. I bow to thee all around. I bow to thee within and without. I bow to thee everywhere, for thou art everywhere. So he's saying there his first prayer demand is consciously recognize the presence of God everywhere. Left, right, up, down, within, without, everywhere, because God is everywhere. Then, his second one, we demand of thee as thy children. Thou art our Father. We are made in thine image. We are thy children. We neither ask nor pray as beggars, but demand of thee as thy children the gifts of wisdom, salvation, health, happiness, and eternal joy. Whether naughty or good, we are still thy children, all of us. Help us to perceive and understand inwardly thy will for us. Teach us the independent use of our human will, since thou gave it, it gavest it to use, gavest it to us to use freely to attune to thy wisdom-guided will. So first we recognize the presence of God. Then, as an extension of God, as his children, we demand that he give us the gifts, that he sustain us, that that vine sustain our consciousness. And he says to draw the gifts, what, what do we want to draw? Wisdom, salvation, health, happiness, eternal joy. So demand those of Master. Demand those of God. He's saying to do that here. We aren't passive. We aren't 
just unable to to draw. He has given us willpower. He's given us freedom of will, independence of will. But our job is to attune that will to God and Guru. And when we do, then we draw those sustaining nutrients that give us wisdom and salvation and health and happiness and eternal joy. We, when we attune with Master, we draw from him his consciousness, God's consciousness. And the more strongly we demand that, the more consciously we do that, the more powerfully that comes to us. And then finally, the third one, which you should be doing and praying every morning at least, is the demand for the recharging of the body battery. Oh, Spirit, teach us to hear, heal our bodies by recharging them with thy cosmic energy, to heal our minds by that concentration and pleasant smiles, and our souls by meditation-born intuition, very like the prayer before the energization exercises. And so this is like a three-step process of attuning to God so that we recognize his presence, we recognize our connection with him, and then we consciously demand that he sustain us and that he change our consciousness. And then I said there was one fourth stage in this, and that's that, as Jesus said, when we do this three-step process, the vine sustains, the guru sustains the disciple. And what happens to the disciple? What happens to the vine? The vine produces fruit. And so in order to continue this process, we all have to become channels for the guru. We all have to share the gifts that we have received. Because if we're stingy and we hoard to ourselves, the vine knows that we're hoarding and won't send us more fruits. So the more we share, the more we give, the more we can draw. But we must draw in order to bring our consciousness into attunement with that of the guru and that of God. And so that's why Master said, don't talk very much. Stay in silence. Just be in tune. It's a pretty good prescription for our life.